Good afternoon. It is 2 p.m. Saturday, July the 11th in uh, the Midwest. You're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the podcast talk up about people, politics, and professions. I'm Leon Davis, and joining me today is uh, my guest host, Leonard Davis and Warren Harper Jr. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about monuments. Today's show is going to um, give us an opportunity to explore some of the current events surrounding monuments, and we look forward to having you join us. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Welcome to Altitude all right, so we're having uh, audio issues. <laughs> uh, so welcome to the show, gentlemen. How you doing, Leon? All doing right. Hey, guys. So did you guys hear that? Did it, 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 did it do the welcome to altitude adjustment thing? No. No, it didn't, it didn't play the music and your voiceover. Ah, okay. I didn't do that. Well, anyway, because I, I, I love that little thing. I did it. I worked on it, and, and it's just, it's supposed to do that. But occasionally, because I have so many things going on in my scene construction, uh, and, uh-huh. and Warren Warren knows because he's worked with me on several occasions oh. about compiling scenes, composing scenes, rather, um, that because sometimes um, things don't go off without a hitch. But uh, we're into the show now, and... I want to welcome you, gentlemen. So what I'm going to do is first we're, we're going to just have a little discussion with us and then we'll open it up so that people can join us if they want to. Um, you can always help uh, participate in the podcast by going to. Ah, OK. So Steve Kassane says he heard it. Well, great. <laughs> we didn't okay. we didn't Amen. get to hear it. Uh, welcome, Amen. Steve. Uh, thanks for joining us. But uh, so uh, r- what we're going to do is you can always go to the um, podcast, to the uh, web, uh, the YouTube channel and type in your questions. Uh, but uh, in a little bit, we'll open it up so that you can actually uh, use the link to join the podcast visually or auditorily. You know, some people don't want to be seen, but they want to be able to talk and not have to type everything out. And then I'll give you the link for that uh, coming up in just a few moments. But first, we're going to get started. And um, so the uh, last week, I had made mention, I think it was, it was last week, right, that we talked about yeah. uh, 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 removing names off of, off of monuments and stuff like that. And so this week... Uh, we thought it would be a good idea to talk about the monument discussion overall. And so, so one of the things that, and, and this, because this is such a unique topic, because it's such a unique event, you know, we've, we've never had such a large scale uh, impact on society in such a short period of time. Um, so there's a lot of discussions going on around monuments. And one of the discussions that uh, I had, and maybe this isn't the, the best place to start, but I thought it was an interesting place to start, was uh, someone said 
so we, we have all of the um, um, monuments from the Confederacy. And so some people were like, well, why don't we replace these, these monuments with monuments of black uh, black celebrities. I don't want to say celebrities. I want to even, you, you know, replace it with black, black historical figures. Black historical figures. Thank you very much. And and I and I and so I when I first heard that I kind of I kind of recoiled. I didn't. I can see where that has some value, but I, I thought in the it, it, that it would be too early in the discussion you don't just tear one down and throw one up uh, you know without having some kind of discussion about that so that people understand what change is going on so you have to do some <clears throat> you have to do some change management what do you guys think of you know replacing some of the Confederate or replacing the Confederate statues, you know, I'm interested, difficult, having difficulty with the word some and all, but what do you think <laughs> of replacing those statues with uh, black historical figures? I think it's an excellent idea um, in light of the fact that uh, most of those Confederate statues are of um, slave owners, uh, Confederate uh, traders who rose up, fought against our country to keep the institution of slavery alive. So I, I think that's a great idea. Question is, how do we go about doing it? How do we deal with the resistance to it? You know, those are the questions that you sit down and have a conversation uh, about. But in this uh, era right now of protest and almost say revolution, people are just uh, acting. They're getting out there and they're doing their thing. So that's where we are right now. We are not uh, having uh, discussions about it. We're just doing it. Certain people are doing it. So well, it you know, you got that right, that certain people are doing it and just acting. But you're seeing frustration and anger boil over. And, you know, just what's brought this up is with all of the brutality and the racism and everything, they're going after everything. So now we're going after statues. So what do you think, um, what, what do you think of the idea of replacing Confederate statues with black historical figures? I think, I think if we leave them up, we also put more statues of black historical figures and we use these things to learn. We teach the the the, the statues of the, of, the, of the Confederate historical figures what they did, why they were given that statue in the first place. And I would say even next to them in most of the places, you put up a black historical statue from that area so you get both viewpoints. Or if it's in the Southwest, you put up a Hispanic statue uh, because that part of the country was taken from Mexico. And there's Mexican people that have been there longer than any European we've had in this country. And it's, you know, I think we use it 
as a tool to learn rather than a symbol for hatred. Uh, that's my bottom line. So view of it. So here's so that's my bottom line view. So you and Warren both brought up an issue that I think <clears throat> uh, has to be addressed um, at some point and hopefully sooner rather than later, and that's the, the pushback of, uh, so there's this discussion around the statue removal is about uh, removing heritage or changing history, um, and, and there is the, also the aspect of it that um, it, it's, it is, those statues in their places right now are causing pain to um, a, a lot of communities around the country. And so my thought is that even before we start tearing down all of the statues, but unfortunately that has already started in some places, but before tearing down the mm -hmm. statues and deciding what to do with them and deciding um, you know, what to put in its place is um, having a broader discussion about, um, and I know this goes, it's taking the discussion back, back mm -hmm. beyond it's, it's having the discussion about, do we want to have, you know, what is the purpose of statues? What is the purpose of those statues being there? Usually it's someone has come up with some money and they're looking for a way to spend it. And so they want to highlight a particular person or a particular, you know, something. And so they erect the statue. And um, right. so we know that a lot of the, Confederate statues were in response to um, civil rights, the civil rights movement. And so, you know, do we want to continue uh, erecting statues that are in or, or, or have statues in mm -hmm. that are in response to something rather than um, are we are we edifying something? Are we highlighting something or are we creating an environment of togetherness in our society and I'm thinking we need to have that discussion about why we're having statues and if we should continue to use statues as a form of um, because because it's not always art yeah that's well true. as you see it true but as you see it on the heritage point that you made there are a lot of people that don't want to constantly be reminded that heritage. So whether the statue comes down, whether it stay up, you're hurting people uh, with the heritage. It's just the heritage. Uh, like, for example, I learned about Jefferson Davis. Before he was president of the Confederacy, he was in the U.S. Army. He ran a regiment that protected what's become the southern border of the United States. Okay, and fought valiantly and led and led people. And you know, and, and and my thing is, okay, you helped this country take territory from Mexico. But you know, I never knew that about Jefferson Davis before. He's not somebody I wanted to go and research. Mm -hmm. But this is the point of time that we can take all these people. And a lot of times the statue was put there to honor or to remember good or bad. Uh, now, where I think we should definitely make changes 
is if we got military bases named after people in the Confederacy and removing Confederate flags because, you know, we got to remember those were people that fought against the United States. See, like right now, you try to take some people from Saudi Arabia, try to name a military base after Osama bin Laden and see what'll happen to you. Now, if we can't name one after Osama bin Laden, why are we naming military bases after these Southern people that led armed rebellion against the United States? And that's what they were doing. They were committing armed rebellion against the United States for the purpose of keeping the heritage, keeping certain people in bondage that at the time the Constitution called property. They treated African Americans like chattel. So they didn't treat them like human beings. So um so I, I guess I'm still kind of um dealing with the idea that we have placed such a large amount of energy into monuments and statues. Mm-hmm. We've we've so so one person or one group of people want this statue. And right. another group of people uh, another group of people says this they don't want the statue for whatever the reason is. Mm-hmm. And and it will come down to um, using dirty tactics or using political muscle and rather than trying to build a consensus uh, and find mm-hmm. compromise. So, right. so, so a statue is, is one thing. Uh, couldn't they, people who wanted to uh, celebrate Jefferson Davis, instead of having a statue, um, a, you know, a 40-foot statue, a 50-foot statue, maybe having a bust uh, someplace in a Civil War museum. You know, why does that statue absolutely have to be there, you know, in, in, the, in a public park or in some place where, um, you know, other people who, who don't want the statue is going to be. So, so there, to me, there's a larger issue of we're not willing to work with each other to find workable solutions to... Oh, that's true. I mean, I mean, that's true. And when you push anybody to the point of anger and rage, they're not going to be willing to talk the people, and that's on both sides. And then you talk about leadership at the top of our country. He hasn't shown a willingness to deal with people. Well, he's been part the of the people, problem because he's part of the problem. He, he he's not he's not putting forth ideas to try to find common ground. He's usually picked a side, and all of yeah. his comments go to. Uh, supporting his side of the argument, and he's not a mediator. He, you know, he's got, he's got the prime mediation position. He has prime. the ability to bring us together 
because he can be the final authority. And rather than taking the opportunity to be, to be the final authority, he chooses a side and he combats half of his country based on the ideologies that he's putting forth. And so then he becomes, rather than uh, the ability to move us forward in our society, then he becomes just another chain in the, in the he just becomes another link in the chain that separates us, that, that pulls, that we, we use the tug of war of, you know, how do we manage our society? How do we um, build uh, uh, the ability to work and live together? So, so I understand the frustration with him. And the, the, the difficulty I have is, you know, anytime you bring him up into a conversation, he's going to be polarizing. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he I'm falls not, on not one side or the other. I'm not even frustrated with him. I mean, he's, he's a buffoon. Okay. And for him to win and get what he wants, he has to keep the country divided at each other's throats. The people that's taking me off is these conservatives that are up there in the center who don't have, who aren't man and woman enough to say, no, this is enough. And to put him on his track and figuratively speaking, put him on his butt. Well, okay. So. Uh, you, you know, it's like anything else. You bring people together, you talk, you work a compromise. Okay, so you put Jefferson Davis and Robert E. Lee and other Confederates in a Civil War museum, or if it's in a if it's in a public square, you erect a statue of whoever in this public square. Like Robert E. Lee is credited, as I learned in history, with saving St. Louis. His he was an engineer. And when the Mississippi River was flowing away from St. Louis at the time, St. Louis made his living by being a river town with all the trade and commerce that came off the river. So he put dams and dikes to keep the river flowing right at the St. Louis coast. That was worthwhile. That was a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, put up, too, like the city of Birmingham, Alabama, and Lord knows during the Civil Rights era, Birmingham, Alabama, was one of those hotbeds, uh, Bull Connor and all of that. But the city of Birmingham gave Eddie Kendricks of the Temptations a statue in the park with the Temptations show the Temptations on stage performing because Eddie Kendricks was from there and he constantly kept in touch with Birmingham, Alabama during his time with the Temptations. And so I think more efforts like that are needed. And it's about, like you said, it's about reasonable people coming together and realizing we both got to give something. And so, and let's make it for everybody. And so, so you, you alluded to the fact that, that the president's party supports him on some of, on some of the more um, controversial stances that he takes but I think that that is to be expected um, ex- ex- expecting that the Republicans are going to push back against a Republican president while it is 
a reasonable um, expectation, it's maybe it's not reasonable. Maybe while while it's an aspirational expectation, yeah, it's not necessarily reasonable. But they um, did it in in right circumstances. That's what made that Nixon may, that go may be the case. Design. That may be the case, but um, you we should expect that they're going to support their candidate because they put him up there. Just like you know, if you talk, if you put up a, a candidate for um, in your job. You put up a candidate for mm-hmm. a promotion. You're going to fight for that candidate until you realize that that candidate is wrong for the job. Because well, when you when you originally de- when you originally decided that person was right for the job, you put them up mm-hmm. for that. You and you're going to back them. That's what the Republicans are going right. to do. They put the guy up for the job, and they're going to back him. And and. That's something that we can expect. Um, what we hope for is that when we when we see that 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 person is being irre- un- unreasonable or is detrimental to the system as a whole, mm-hmm. that they will value the system over the right. individual. And at this point, we've determined people who are not a part of that party that the that this, that the president is detrimental to the system as a whole and that we'd like for those people inside their party to to see the same thing that we see and and that's right. where i think it's a difficulty that that we're going to have with trying to get it would be nice if the president was a uniter if they if they wanted things to work out and they wanted to put and he wanted to push ideas that both parties can agree with but we've become so polarized uh and the and the um monument issue is just one more indication of how polarized we are we mm-hmm. can't simply agree on how to address monuments that make half the society uncomfortable Right. Well, monuments are, are monuments. And back to the the political scenario, um, the way I look at it is bottom line comes to most of these politicians is their job. It, you know, you talk about whether their candidate uh, is making sense or doing the right thing. Uh, that's not really the issue with a lot of them. If they don't back the party, the party's guy, they may lose their job. And so that's the bottom line for a lot of these politicians. I, we can sit and look at them and say, why do they keep back? Why, why are they still back? It's their job. That mm-hmm. If they get voted out of office, then where are they going to uh, go to get, uh, to get work? Who's going to pay them? I, you know, they're going to lose mm-hmm. their uh, mansions. Most of these politicians are, are millionaire status anyway and and money is the bottom line for them so you know this this politics is about power and money it's not about being right or wrong and as far as um being a uniter i i can't can you think of any one candidate or politician right now that could actually 
be considered a uniter in this political climate if they were to be in office? Well, sure, there's, a, there's quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> just because I disagree with your politics doesn't make you divisive. It's how I talk to you that's going to more determine am I a uniter or not. If I attack you because you're, you're different, if, I, if, if I'm calling you, uh, so, so the, the president has called uh, radical dims, um, uh, some people, you know, say uh, because you don't agree with me, you hate America. Those aren't words that unite. But if I'm, if you say, if I say, I recognize that you're that you have a different view than I do, and and I don't try to vilify you for that different view, but I try to find common ground. That's what a uniter is. It's not. It's it's not that you're always going to be successful. It's that you're always going to try to be successful. If, you, if, the, if you're constantly picking a side and then fighting that battle and not trying to reach across and say, okay, I recognize you think differently than I do. How do we find common ground? That's all a uniter does. All a uniter does is say, I recognize that you think differently than I do. How can we make this work together? And there are tons of there are tons of politicians, tons of politicians that are trying to do that. Yes, do they um, come out and say the other side of the aisle is not um, trying to work with us? A lot of times, that's just a ploy to try to get people to lower their defenses and come to the table. Do I think that that there's a better way to accomplish that? I do. But, you know. Um, a lot of these guys uh, go to lunch together. They sit and talk. They're humane to each other when there's no camera. But when there's a camera on, mm -hmm. the world becomes a different place. So, so do I think there's uniters? Yeah. That, to answer your question, I think there's tons of them. I wonder how much, how effective a uniter so-called uniter can be in this climate so right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> it would be it would be yeah, interesting I, to see. I, I, uh, well, what? Okay, let's let me ask you this: Was how united w was the country under Obama? So, okay, so so there was the this this political division didn't start under Obama, it started uh, under Reagan, actually. Um, Reagan was a very polarizing figure. Um, and some of it happened even before that. Uh, you know, you can go all the way back to the Dixiecrats and, uh, and, and find division. When you have a two-party system, there's polarization built into a two-party. A party system builds uh, conflict. So, so the question of how, how unified the country was under, under Obama, it wasn't. Okay. To answer your question. I, I guess I went so the scenic route. It's the like the, current, like the current guy that's in charge of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, he was the main one that was always 
talking about Obama. He recently said, we paid for the sin of slavery by having Obama as president. Uh, he was the main one whenever Obama signed an executive order, had his uh, knickers in a twist. But then they're letting Trump do all this crap because Mitch McConnell sitting on the Senate won't let the Senate do anything. Right. And he's just sitting there. They changed the rules so they could put two of uh, Trump's picks on the Supreme Court. They changed the rules in voting. I mean, what I was saying was that's why I don't get so necessarily frustrated at the president. It's the Senate under Mitch McConnell leadership. You know? Uh, so you were, you asked Obama, the question. I'm sorry. You done? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just Warren asked the question about uh, the country being united, and and uh, I'm was thinking that maybe he would go. On, he, he had another idea to follow that up. He just wanted, you know, some input on that. Well, I, I, the question was just to address the issue of the division. I don't think uh, a particular politician from either side is going to be able to bridge society at the current state of um, division we're at right now over certain issues. You'll never get full, full uh, you, united because mm -hmm. you got people that's going to hold on to their side, extremists at both ends who are going to hold on to their side no matter what. They're not going to give nothing. They'll take everything. And you're not going to get those people united. But there's a whole bunch of people in the middle that come together that's reasonable, and that's how you get stuff done. And there's here. a lot, you know, compromise has to be had. Compr you know, you got to do it. You got to do it with, with compromise. That's how, that's how things get done. You mentioned Obama. Obama had those famous beer summits. A lot of things got done. Uh, Bill Clinton used to go play golf with the other side a lot. A lot of a lot of decisions, a lot of stuff he had done, got done on the golf course. So there's ways to do it. It's just a part of are are the people willing to do? Are they willing to put in the work? Okay, we're gonna. I think uh, we're gonna. Unless you guys have some more comments on this subject. I think we're going to wrap this one up. Well, Anything else? A couple of things. Well, then let's go. Yeah, I was listening to uh young legal guy. Well, not younger. He's probably my age, actually. guy named Jeffrey Robinson. He's department uh, deputy legal director of the uh, National ACLU. And he was talking about... Um, he was talking about the Confederacy in the U.S., and he used a couple of quotes from George Orwell's 1984, and this is a reference to the monuments. He says, who controls the past controls the future. That's number one. Number two was, who controls the present controls the past. And how I relate that to this monument thing is like, okay, these monuments from the past from then until now have controlled how um, well have influenced 
or represented how certain people look at things. And now in this present sense, people are rising up and saying, wait a minute, you got the wrong idea about history. Basically, uh, these guys are bad guys. Why are we celebrating traitors against the country? See, they don't belong in our government buildings, maybe in a history museum, that would be appropriate. But for the these people to be representing the image of our government is wrong. So now we're trying to control from the present back to the past so that people can see where we came from. Because a lot of the problem is people don't even understand the history. They don't have a good knowledge of the history. Oh, that was the culture, that was this and that. You know, and, and the Star Spangled Ban Banner, uh, Francis Scott Keyes was a slave owner, mm -hmm. you know. He wrote that song about the uh, Royal Marines. You, you, did you hear that story about them? Do you know about the Royal Marines? Mm -hmm. They were black soldiers who fought with the British against this country. And they mm -hmm. were kicking some butt. <laughs> And mm -hmm. he could not he could not stand it. So at that last battle where the old glory well the, the flag was still f flying, he wrote this song. But you know we we have to deal with the past and the future from the truth. And I think that's that's the main thing here. So my feeling is this: those monuments should never be uh, represented in in government buildings like the capitals um, state houses but most of all they're symbolic at the very most and right now we're in a time where black men are being executed by the police you know we, we're still struggling to be able to vote you know they're stopping all that I think those are things that we could probably put a little more effort into uh, sure, I like I like to see the symbols come down uh, where it's appropriate. I like to hit, see conversation about them as well. But at the end of the day, you got that graphically on by any sure. chance? Let me pull that I up real quick. Dr., uh, uh, yeah, Dr. Exion. Um, she. Uh, so I, I don't this, know where the, the this graphic originally came from. Yeah, we don't know the <laughs> origination of it, but this is ba this is the bottom line. We've got the old racist history in the monument, but on the other side, right next to that, we got systemic racism. Okay, taking that monuments is not going to fix the system uh, at large. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to quickly describe this for people who are only listening to the audio version who sure. um, don't who aren't going to watch the, the video version. So what we have is a, a cartoon uh, or a, uh, what do you call it, a political comic, 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 comedy, comic, political comic, mm -hmm. where you have uh, a, a group of people um, that have uh, lines to a, uh, a statue of a Confederate general and on the pedestal it says, old racist history. And then next to that is another group of people yelling, ahem, pointing to a much bigger statue um, with a, a base that says systemic racism. So I'm sorry, you were talking. I just wanted to describe that real quick. And that's, and that's the bigger enemy, I think, right now that we need to be focused on because, you know, 
those monuments have been there for decades, most of them. Uh, we've tolerated them. Now folks are finally taking them down. But is that the biggest problem right now? I think we need to think about that. We can take all those monuments down and we still have some uh, a long way to go. You know, and, are and we going to walk through and get shot? You well, know? when you got people in a rage and worked up like you do now, you look to do immediate action. Yeah. And the monuments are there. It can be done now where you're looking at the next voting come up in August. You're looking at November for the presidential election. And, you, and if he gets voted out, you got to wait till almost the end of January for him to be out of office for the new guy in. Uh, not always have we in America always thought about the long game. We haven't thought about the long run. We are thinking about the short run all the time. Most of the time, we think about the short. And I just remember studying economics in college. In America, business, we put more of an emphasis on the present value of money. What is it now? Where other countries like Japan and now China, they look at the future value. They're willing to let you have some victories now in the first two to five years. But they're looking at 15, 20, 25 years after that. That's I why Japan... Your plan. <laughs> right, that's why Japan was kicking our butt in the 80s. But mm-hmm. I remember all the commercials they showed of the Japanese. A group of Japanese turned American facilities take a picture. They went back, they studied it, and in the 80s, they came back, and they were kicking our butts mm-hmm. in a lot of things, like the Chinese are doing now. Mm-hmm. Our president even got his merchandise, his mattresses, his ties, his shirts <laughs> being made in factories over in China. His wife has a jewelry line. Where is it made at? So In China. So, so... The statues um, is a short-term goal, but it is, is it a necessary short-term? Removing some of the statues, is that a necessary uh, first short-term goal, or can it be folded into the larger um, discussion about systemic racism? If you don't follow it up with the political actions necessary... Well, I think we, we it, have... You just tore down some statues. Right. You just tore down statues. So, 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 but is that tearing down the statues going to create enough of a interest in addressing the problem? Because the statue is, like we said, a symbol. It is a symbol of something that is going on in our society. And maybe... And maybe a lot of it. tearing down the statues is a way to begin to address systemic racism. Well, think about it. If you were the power brokers of the country and you were one of the four or five families who control what happened, would tearing down some statues get to you? Or would losing four or five of your people in office 
that did what you said. And now instead of 50 people in there, you get 45 and you're looking at losing more. What would make the bigger impact? Well, um, so tearing down the statue may be an inspiration for several thousand people who haven't voted, who haven't participated in public discourse to believe that there is a change coming in the country. And now they get involved and they vote out those five people. And maybe that's what you need to get those five, get those five people voted out of office is you need those statues to come down to get people fired up about the process. Now, if you you change five or 10 people, go ahead, Juan. We could be at a, a good starting point for that. Uh, I agree that that this could make a big difference down the line if we started doing other things as well as taking down the monuments, like voting out from a from the state local level on up. You know, we focus so much on the top, but if we don't get it together at the bottom level, you know, it's not going to make that much difference. As I've had a few a few office holders tell me. Over my young, over my years, all politics is local. Absolutely, it starts on your local level, yep. and it goes up. So it starts for those races for city council or aldermen. That's the same city race. Yep. It starts with your mayor. It starts with your state. Then it goes up to your state reps, state senators, the governor, and it goes up from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I agree. So you said you had two points, Warren. Was that both of them? Did we cover them both? Okay, the other point was, uh, I mentioned uh, cops killing us with that uh, get and due to the qualified immunity, they rarely get prosecuted. The other point was mass incarceration in our legal system, which is something that really needs to be addressed. Uh, We have such a high, highly disproportionate number of black people in jail, incarceration rates are a lot longer. Uh, These are a lot of things that uh, Jeffrey Robinson was talking about and uh, he was addressing his contemporaries about and getting them to uh, look at themselves as far as why these things are happening. But imagine if a lot of these black men, women, if we got locked up, could actually come out and actually start to vote and get involved because a lot of them are are denied the right to vote once they get a felony and go to jail. So we need to work on those issues to get those people involved. Sure. And, and, and I think we had, you know, planned to have discussions about those, um, those issues, you know, going forward. Um, so, uh, if we have reached a point, of where we can break things off as far as the monument discussion? Do we think we've covered that effectively? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, we can always come back and revisit it if we find that um, there was something that we overlooked. And so so in the course of, um, and, and this one, so uh, Warren, I'm gonna, uh, Warren and I think about politics totally differently. Um, He has, there are people that he listens to I would never put in my queue. And he's always sending those to me. 
<laughs> and I get so frustrated sometimes because I, he'll send one to me and I'll tell him all of the things why I think this person is like losing their mind and and then he goes, oh, okay. And then he'll send me another one. So <laughs> he keeps me, he, he does for me what I really need. I like to believe that I listen to all sides of the story and that I, um, and that I take more than just my opinion into consideration when trying to mm -hmm. understand the environment. And Warren does not allow me to rest on my laurels and think I've got it all figured out. And and I want to say that I appreciate that. Um, as frustrating as it is. Um, but but so this next clip came from one of those people that uh, that Warren sent. And I, so I'll go ahead and play the clip and and then uh, I want to discuss it real quick. And and disclosure, I don't know it was a what Two, how long was that video? Two hours and 20-something minutes. Yeah, I'm not totally sure what you clipped, but let's roll with it. I know, and, it was, and I mentioned to them that it was my part that, because normally I try to uh, give them a heads up, and, and then that way they, they can prepare. So whatever response we get from them is totally um, unplanned. All right. <laughs> So they understand there's going to be some of that. You see, we experienced this in politics. At first, we had politicians that protected black politicians that looked after black people's interests. But over no, the years, they started infiltrating and sending us in political puppets. Or people in the chat. Yeah, but you need to hear it. Because <laughs> you're going to give a... Um... So they understand there's going to be some of that. You see, we experienced this in politics. At first, we had politicians that protected black politicians that looked after black people's <laughs> interests. But over the years, they started infiltrating and sending us in political puppets. They started sending in niggas who were only concerned about swagging the hell out. Shout out. So, so they, they understand, understand there's, there's gonna, gonna be some, some of that. You, you see, see, we experienced this in politics. At first, we had politicians that protected black politicians that looked after black people's interests. But over the years, they started infiltrating and sending us in political puppets. They started sending in niggas who were only concerned about swagging the hell out. Shout out Kwame Kilpatrick. They sent you niggas who were sitting up here and these were the pimp preachers. Now they had a new avenue to go down. So they went into politics, did not a damn thing. Allowed the race soldiers and white supremacists to run wild. Didn't do anything to help the black economy whatsoever. With very, very, very few exceptions. And after that, they, they, in, they inundated you again so, so in, in D.C. and Baltimore and Chicago and Atlanta, it's not lost on me that you got black females. They, they started infiltrating with these black females because white folk don't consider black women to be threatening. So what they did was they found some of these sorority hoes. Oh, did I say it like that? Yeah, I said it like that. So what they did was they went and they got some of these sorority hoes 
like Kamala Harris. They went and got some of these sorority hoes. Keisha Bottom B in Atlanta and sat up here and told you this will be your leadership. Why don't she look cute? Remember that bullcrap Freddie Gray got killed and niggas talking about how cute the damn mayor of Baltimore was. Wasn't he? Stephanie Rollins Blake, another bottom B of white supremacy. They sit up here and sell us on symbolism. Oh, isn't your mayor so cute? Isn't she so sexy? Wouldn't you love to hit that? We're gonna do. We're gonna crush this right now. Uh, and so, my apologies uh, that I didn't get it to you guys before, so that you can comment on. So, what we'll do is uh, we'll save it for the next show, and I'll make sure you guys get to hear the clip, and then we'll and then we'll discuss it then. And okay. Okay. And that way, um, I, I have. Uh, so, um, with that being said, I am going to close out. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining this afternoon, and we look forward to having you back with us next week. That concludes this episode, and thank you for listening. This podcast is designed for live listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com slash home for details about how to join the conversation. The video version of Altitude Adjustment is available on YouTube. Search for Lions Den STL. And the audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Anchor.fm, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Look for Altitude Adjustment where you get your podcast and consider making a contribution by visiting anchor.fm slash altitude dash adjustment two. Remember, the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes because it matters. As always, be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.